You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 340, The Guardian Goes Tabloid. A brave move into the future or one step closer to the precipice of doom. Ryan Giggs was a great footballer, but we have some doubts about his first step into management and the tyranny of supermarket loyalty card. It's all coming up after Lewis Taylor and leader of the band.
prophetically titled Lost Album. Um, yes. It, yeah, incidentally, the album was extraordinarily, it was rejected by his record company of the time, Island Records. Uh, they just said it wasn't good enough. Um, so it, it, I, I know, eventually self-released. It, re- it genuinely is one of, in, one of my favourite albums of all time. Uh, it really is. Lewis Taylor, The Lost Album, and that track was leader of the band. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 340. I'm Terence Stackham. And if ever she was lost, well, now she's found. It's mm. Juliette Harris. You see, it's been, a, it's been some years since I became lost, I must admit. Mm. I, I, thanks to Google Maps, I, must know, I now know where I am at all times, frankly. There are some days where I feel like I couldn't <laughs> leave my house without Google Maps. Other mapping services online are available. Hello, everyone. Oh, it's, it's trans- I mean, the, the, the satellite navigation in particular yes. in the car has just yes, yeah. absolutely transformed our lives, hasn't it? You, you remember you, you'd be going somewhere and the person, your partner, whoever, be sitting in the passenger seat looking at a map. and well, a I, huge A to Z, those it. A3 ones with coffee spilt all over it. I think it's the next left. No, no, the, the, oh, you've missed it. Oh, we'll have to turn around. All of that is gone from our lives. Mostly, it? yeah, mostly, I think. In media news here in mm. the UK, the Guardian newspaper launched a new look this week as a tabloid newspaper. Indeed. It's all a part of the drive to cut costs at the Guardian and the Observer. Uh, losses for the last year are believed to be around forty four zero million pounds Ouch, yeah. Because it's now in a standard tabloid format from this week, it can be printed at presses all around the UK, and that simple change is expected to save millions of pounds. Now, I've not been a regular reader of the paper edition, at least of The Guardian, for many years, but um, one obvious practical benefit is that it'll be um, easier to read on trains, buses, Mm. planes. But, Jules, you're a closer fit to The Guardian than me. Yes, it was known as My Guardian for some years on this podcast, wasn't it? Indeed. This reshaping, both physically and in terms of content, is this a positive move for your The Guardian? Well, I mean, I tend to consume it mostly online. Mm. I did buy one this week because I knew we were going mm. to do this. But increasingly, I found it to be expensive. I mean, once it went above £2, mm. I started to think, is it really worth buying this mm. most days when, in fact, I can read most of this online at my desk anyway, which is largely how I consume The Guardian. Um, it's Well, I mean, in terms of saving money, yes, I can see the money-saving move, although how much did they spend on those Berliner presses? It was loads and loads, wasn't it? And that was clearly a gamble that hasn't paid off. So, so yes, a bit of a, a bit of a kind of a a fiddling whilst Rome burns move, I think. Um, it, it was okay. I mean, I've started to lose interest in the paper edition of The Guardian anyway, just because there doesn't seem to be a lot to it, really. I tend to increasingly buy weekend, the Saturday Guardian or the Sunday equivalent, The Observer, um, just because, yes, they charge me £3 for it, but I think, well, it's it's not much more expensive than a weekday guardian but you do at least get a, a fair number of supplements mm. the, the contents of which is usually fairly good i do eye roll a lot at the weekend magazine and you know yeah look at this yellow jumper for 300 pounds <laughs> and let's all move to bayswater you know i do i do find some <laughs> aspects of that a bit tedious but um but yeah i do the, the i do for the weekday the, the weekday guardian provides fairly poor vfm i think um with some exceptions they do have some superstar columnists i think you and 
I are both very fond of Marina Hyde. Very much. And whatever they're paying Marina Hyde, it really is not enough, <laughs> frankly. Um, so, so she is the one of their well she does three columns to them i think so she yes. does a sports column um the lost in showbiz column and a, and a, a politicky type mm-hmm. co- column and they're all excellent i think she gets it you know she seems to get it right so often yes. but at the same time as having stars like her and our pal david squires who we sometimes refer to on yes. this podcast his brilliant cartoons um and they have some other writers who are, you know, I, I think are worth reading. Um, but having said that, they seem to be cost-cutting and getting rid of some of their stars. I don't really decide understand the decision to get rid of Deborah Orr. I must admit, I, I, I shall miss her columns very much. I feel that her perspective is far above some people that do continue to be employed by the Guardian. I won't actually name anybody I dislike at the Guardian, but there are some television-based correspondents whose utility i've questioned for years um i um i, I was Poor sorry they sam <laughs> no you said that not me <laughs> um i'm uh julia rayside is excellent can i just stress they should get her to do more she's great but um i'm i i do feel that they are obviously trying to cost cut by getting rid of you know they're good people i was sorry that Mar- marina mclaughlin uh their uh, reclusive restaurant critic uh, moved on to the sunday times and used her first column to upset people about weatherspoons if i remember correctly yes. but and i thought oh maybe they're cost cutting but then they've got grace denton who mm. don't get me wrong i'm an enormous fan of grace Denton. she used to write tv in the guardian years ago and was brilliant at that and she's gone on to write various excellent columns in the independent she she does she's the london evening standards food critic and she, I, she was on the fortunately podcast which i very much enjoy recently and she said people say i'm london centric well i do write for the london evening standards so there is little <laughs> getting away from that and she's also a judge on master chef sometimes but she's come back to the guardian which is great and i'm really pleased but i don't well if she's paid what she's worth she wouldn't have been inexpensive so they, they seem to be making some quite curious decisions and actually and this is no criticism of Grace Dent at all who I really admire and like a lot I think she's brilliant but the decision making smacks of panic a bit of me of quick she used to work really well when she wrote in the guardian quick let's get Grace Dent back let's pull the band back together and see what we can Mm do and I don't know. I, I still do feel there is a slight smell, smell of death around the Guardian, as we've talked about previously, which I am sad about because, as you say, it is my Guardian, it is my paper of choice, particularly since the demise of the proper independent, not the kind of online shell that exists now. But the the eye is good, but the, the old-fashioned in I very, very much liked, and I'm sad that's gone. And I don't know. I mean, I wish the Guardian well. Some of their football writing is excellent, but... I did feel a little bit, is that it, I must admit, when I when I, I read the paper. The G2 supplement is usually quite interesting, but the difficulty with that, I find, is if you're not interested in the main feature, mm. pretty much had it, really, because it's not that long. So, mm. I mean, I wish them well. I wish the people that work for them well. There's been a lot of layoffs. They still employ some quite good people, but... I don't know. I find they seem to still be relying, Grace Dent aside, and Marina Hyde aside, they seem to be relying on... The same old pale male and stale big hitters, really. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 there are people writing columns there that I really think should have been pensioned off years ago. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling. I don't feel they're bringing up new writers. And I don't think they publish a great range of writers either. It always seems to be the same people. Yeah, well, indeed. I mean, beyond the shape and size of the newspaper, like you, I wonder how long... Um, the Guardian can continue to drop columnists like uh, such as David Hepworth and Deborah Orr. Oh yeah, absolutely, David Hepworth too. Yeah, yeah. And, 
were, were, were two of their their big people. I think. Yeah. I don't understand why they've gone and and lose their um, former football podcast king James Richardson as well. Oh well, he's I, gone. I, I didn't realise he'd gone. Mm. I'm very sorry about that. He's several, excellent. yeah, several departing writers. How, how long they can do that and keep the loyalty of the readers? Now, I bought the first tabloid edition of all on Monday, and mm. I found the quality of the content, uh, as you referred to as well, way below what I expected from a paper with such a history of great writing. There was a good piece by Alex Clark on Scott Walker, and it, it was kind yes, of... Yes, re- that was good. Mm, it was reassur- reassuring to still find Michael Billington writing the theatre reviews, but that was, yes. um, that was about it. A couple of niggly things, though, that I wanted to point out. You may say, well, you know, this is the way it is every day. I don't know, but uh, as I say, a couple of really sort of niggle, niggle mm. me. In the TV and radio section, they only list selected channels. So if you wanted to know what was on the sports, any of the sports or movie channels, well, tough luck, they weren't listed. Mm. And mm. oddly, for radio listings, they only list the schedule for Radio 3 and Radio 4. That's it. No other radio stations. I mean, I have to say, for me, that smacks slightly of of sort of, oh, look at us, aren't we clever, which is just a bit rubbish, really. I mean, I don't... I mean, to some extent, I have less sympathy with your your woes, read the TV guide, in Mm. the sense that it doesn't necessarily purport to be a full TV guide. Although I do... uh, The the counter-argument to myself is, of course, do something properly or don't do it at all, Mm. I suppose. So, or if you're going to have highlights from TV, publish highlights from TV or, you know, preview things, but don't necessarily publish a guide i don't know the radio thing i think is completely inexplicable if you i mean i can't imagine how much space it takes up to do one two three four five and six exactly. i don't i don't and, understand and do you know what she was I, I i'm not really sure it may be a question of space but i didn't think it really could be because on monday the the, the guardian dedicated several pages not just one or two several pages to puffing up and promoting the new format four yeah. pages saying you know this is what we're doing and i thought well those pages are where advertising should have been yes, if they'd been absolutely. able to sell the space yes so and they, isn't that a telling tale absolutely now were, well i tell you what it does smack of hmm. that is sort of fellow sort of 90s indie lifers like me might remember mm. a phrase that was used in the music press i think it was the enemy that sprung up around um when blur i mean i read about it in the blur book the um the bio that Stuart. i think it was the bio the Stuart mcconey wrote it might have mm. been john harris's book the last party one of the two talked about how blur used to go out to a certain small amount of clubs in london mm. and this was when they were just sort of just starting out and just beginning to break through so 91 92 and there were certain bands that all used to go and there were three or four bars and it was known rather sort of cuttingly as the scene that celebrates itself and I do feel that there is a bit of that about The Guardian but actually I don't think it is that I think what it is like you say is we have nothing else to put here because we can't sell any advertising. Mm. And I mean, the, one of the one of the funniest things that I think I saw recently that really made me laugh, and this is very cruel, but it is mm. really funny, um, is someone. I'm trying to find this tweet now. Somebody tweeted, sort of taking the Mickey about um, about the Guardian and um, to do with um, to do with a uh, Aussie Mandius, mm. and it was a sort of quote of. Um, 
I'm, I'm struggling to find it now, but it's basically this mm. sort of taking the mickey about the fact that I am Ozim. I am here. We go. I found it. Now it's musical Joe. He says, "I am Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair." But Ozymandias has a small favour to ask. Ozymandias <laughs> commands more land than ever, but advertising revenues across the empire are falling fast. And unlike many pharaohs, Ozymandias hasn't put up a paywall. And I do feel if I go on, it's like Wikipedia. If I go on either yeah. of those websites one more time, Begging. I mean, I get. I give money when I can, but <coughs> but if I get one more thing saying, oh, you've got to sign up to be a member, yeah. oh, great, so I can spend £299 on one of your Photoshop courses in London. I do yeah. I do, I do, do feel that the, the, the Guardian kind of lays itself open for mockery because it is so tinnied sometimes. And I, and I, as you, as I think regular listeners and you will know, I hate this kind of liberal elite smearing kind of sneering label that certain parts of the right-wing press use in Britain. And I think that's rubbish but having said that the guardians enough make it easy for people to come afterwards it has to be said i've got one last quick point to make on this i'm interested to know whether you think well why the hell they're doing this there was a column by editor-in-chief kath viner on monday naturally promoting the joy of the new format no problem with that but she mentioned something that i found quite peculiar in highlighting the new... She made a big play of this on Monday, highlighting Mm -hmm. the new setup for the Saturday edition, which you mentioned earlier. I think you sometimes buy. So she says, and I'm quoting, I've got the column, I've got the paper here next to me. Hear hear me rustling. There will be the usual news section, a separate journal section, a separate sport supplement okay right. so far now wait for it and five magazines five separate Ooh, magazines that's a, a, lot. a redesigned weekend magazine a book yep. review magazine a magazine called guide one called travel and a food magazine called feast now, now the guide exists at the moment hmm. and there is a travel section but it's not a magazine it's, it's a, a travel she section refers to these as uh, five we, we will have no fewer than five magazines right okay so um, either they're confident of selling masses of advertising to offer five magazines um otherwise as i say i don't understand it i obviously no. i feel sorry for anyone having to carry that lot home in well, a quite. shopping bag although I, although I have to say I keep do, fit I will, with the guardian <laughs> yeah so I, I always i always do treat the saturday guardian as a treat though so mm. so in a way i don't necessarily have a huge problem with that but like you i find that a strange decision given mm. that at the moment they have they they only they have two magazines by magazines you know as in mm. you know glossy paper and staples, yeah, with staples together, yeah. which is which is weekend and guide and they have various paper sections which I would refer to as supplements mm. which I think you would which are travel family um, and sport I think mm. um, and occasionally a sort of an advertorial type one so occasionally they have a New York Times I think for example that's a, sort of a mini version of a New York Times in the past the Observer used to do these magazines where they do they had the Observer Music Monthly Food Monthly Sport Monthly and Film Monthly and they they were producing those as magazines with the Observer and in the end they got rid of all of them apart from food mm. basically to save money so like 
like you, I find it odd that they are bringing these formats as magazines. I mean, don't get me wrong, I quite look forward to reading it, actually. I'd be quite interested mm. to see how it goes. But And I do treat myself occasionally to a Saturday Guardian. But like you say, it does seem a bit... It doesn't really It doesn't really fit. It sort of flies in the face of the rest of their cost-cutting exercises, doesn't it, really? Although maybe they think it might be a draw. I don't know. It, it's a slight draw to me, I must admit. Mm. If I'm going to pay that oh, much for a Saturday mm. Guardian, I think, oh, well, actually, that does seem like quite good value if you get five magazines. The only maybe tr- I've just been suckered in. I don't know. Maybe, but you see, I'm, I'm looking from a personal point of view. If I picked up those five magazines, I've got to be honest here, the Feast one, the Travel one, uh, they would just go straight into recycling. I, well, I, I usually throw Travel mm. away without reading mm. it. It has to be so. It's, clearly, my mind's not broad, mm. but I probably would read the food one. So all the others I would probably read so I don't know. Maybe we can revisit this next week once the first <laughs> yes, Saturday yes. Guardians come out. Ryan Giggs, new manager of Wales. How's mm. that going to work out? That's <laughs> that's next after Jurassic Five. I'ma say this one time, boy, and that's my word. We rock the shot to knock fire through the Hindenburg. The contribution is clear. You add water to bone and get the Jurassic vibe on the microphone. Now, if you like the tone and how the harmony's done, and the sucker MCs die before they begun. Well, I like to know if you got the notion. Cause we're number one. I'm not trying to say my style is better than yours. I'm just on some other shit. I'm all about the beats and the lyrics, so when you hear it, you can feel it. The vibe is energized by the presence of my spirit. No interference, we persevere. The purpose is clear. We're here to leave your ear hurt and severe. You're lurking in fear, cause we take it back like Robin Boxley. Rocking from countryside to spots where hard rocks be. I often wonder if these MCs even know how it feels to dedicate their whole life to this mic of steel. It's not about the bill, that's not keeping it real. A lot of tight rappers out here ain't got no deal. We appeal to the brothers with flow for Cause it's the hundred watt bloodshot game of death Cause we're protected by the covenants of words and beats Rewind and feel the heat recline and take a seat So uh, let's take it back to the concrete streets Original beats with real live MCs Playground tactics, a rabbit and a hat tricks Just that classic rap from Jurassic Let's take it back to the concrete streets Original beats with real live MCs Playground tactics, no rabbit in a hat tricks, just that classic rap from Jurassic. Now I walk from Transania, Earthquake, Transylvania, and all the way I kick the hole through the wall of China just to get the right blend. Cause I'm schizophrenic of the pen, wait a minute, I fell into the deep end. You shouldn't have told me the pyramids can hold me, so now the contest is what you owe me. Pull out your beats, pull out your cuts, give us a mic, what up, and we gon' tech it up. I'm on some old and forgotten, sun up to sun down, like picking cotton, the nutty professor, science dropping, rockin' Robin's hood from New York to Compton, me and my three sons, Jabari, Shakir, and Kassel. So uh, let's take it back to the concrete streets, original beats for real live MC. Playground tactics, the rabbit and the hat tricks, just that classic rap from Jurassic. Let's take it back to the concrete streets, original beats with real live MCs. Playground tactics, the rabbit and the hat tricks, just that classic rap from Jurassic.
Take it back like Spinal Tap, preparing your intellect before your final nap. So uh, let's take it back to the concrete streets, original beats for real live MCs. Playground tactics, the rabbit and a hat tricks, just that classic rap from Jurassic. Let's take it back to the concrete streets, original beats for real live MCs. Playground tactics, the rabbit and a hat tricks. Obviously, I'm going through a bit of an urban stage at the moment, but um, after an urban-y type thing the other week, but I love that. The sun came out the other day, um, and it felt like for the first time in many years, <laughs> my office window, and at lunchtime, I decided I'd put a record on, because I do have a turntable in my office, cool. and so I, I know I took it in myself, so I put my headphones in, and I sat down in front of the turntable with my headphones on, so I didn't disturb my room neighbour, and then I remembered halfway through it was Tuesday, and she doesn't work on Tuesday, <laughs> but anyway, I was very, very keen on this um it's just my sunny day tune it always reminds me of being at school and then at college and at university and i heard this on a ghetto blaster when i was sat at, at university once in a peace camp because i went to a sneering liberal elite university mm. around the time of the iraq the second iraq war and i remember hearing this come out of a ghetto blaster in the sun and thinking this is great it's a uh, jurassic five and concrete schoolyard i i liked uh, jurassic five when they used to go to kiran island with timmy the dog yes. Um, and, and, and solve, solve yes. mysteries, and yeah. then Brexit Island, yes, and they all yeah. had lashes of ginger beer, yes, very yeah. No, I like, I, I like them. I remember their debut album being released, and it felt really, very new and energising mm, at the time. Mm. I remember the NME were big on Jurassic Five. Yes, and... they are. They've got a real, they've got a real thing about them. I really like them. It's only a year and a couple of months since Ryan Giggs was interviewed for the role of manager at Swansea City Football Club. I thought you were going to do nothing compares to you for a minute. It's been seven, it's been 15 hours and seven, seven years or whatever it was. Now, Giggs was quite, Giggs was quite hopeful and uh, apparently had set up Nicky Buck, uh, Nicky Butt, his uh, former Manchester United teammate, to be his assistant. Oh, yes. um, it probably wasn't very kind uh, that the feedback f- from Giggs's interview at Swansea became public, but it yes. was reported that he was woefully underprepared and display- displayed very little knowledge of the club or the team. And it was said that when asked what ideas he had to ensure the team moved away from the relegation zone in the Premier League, uh, Giggs could only blurt out, "Well, I'll get them to train harder." Um, oh dear! G- Giggs didn't get the job, but who's to say Swansea knew what they were doing as they actually appointed the American? Co- Coach Bob Bradley, who was sacked, <laughs> sacked yeah, eighty. That didn't, that didn't exactly work out beautifully. It didn't. Either, it, did it? It, not at all. He was sacked eighty-five days later when Swansea only won two of the eleven games in which he was mm-hmm. in charge. Now, Ryan Giggs, his private life might lead some to suggest he's not really a role, role model for young people. Well, but that broke my heart. My mum nearly cried when that happened. We loved Ryan Giggs when I was growing up. That was genuinely mortifying. But a great footballer, of course. Mm-hmm. Jules, can he drive Wales onwards to the next Euros and the 2022 World Cup? Well, that is a fair question, isn't it? I don't know. I would, I would, 
well, I I'd always rather liked Ryan Giggs, and despite the rather unfortunate mm. private life thing, which also annoyed me on two levels. One, because I liked him, and two, because as a lawyer I'd, and, and as a, someone that does believe in, well, has differing views on things, but does does believe in the kind of the legal process and, 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 and public transparency, I hate the idea of super injunctions. Mm. I think they're really... I think they're overused, and I think this leaning on, oh, it's not in the public interest and that sort of thing, I, I don't like them at all. I, I think he was badly advised and naively advised. There was that lovely moment where they, they tried to sue all of Twitter at once, didn't they? Yes. So that was, that was particularly enjoyable. But um, it's interesting. In a way, I suppose he might be a good choice in the same way as I remember my dad said to me once before, before Alan Shearer actually ended up at Newcastle. He said to me when they were trying to get a new manager for, for, uh, for Newcastle, my dad said to me at lunch, I should think that Alan Shearer will probably be able to name his price. And interestingly, I think Giggs has a similar role for Wales in like, being one of their sort of national heroes though mm. interestingly some welsh friends of mine on facebook who are football fans rather sort of were not very as welcoming of the appointment mm. as i thought they would be because they said that he was not enormously committed to playing for wales when i heard them talking about rankings on the radio they said he'd been capped 64 times for wales and i was quite surprised i would have thought he would have had more caps than that if you think about how many times wayne rooney and various mm. england players have been capped and then they said he had a reputation for pulling out of squads injured mm. and often that coincided with friendly games. Although, again, it is argued that, that Sir Alex Ferguson might have had a fairly large influence yeah. on that, which seems plausible, doesn't it? But mm. it does seem odd, like you say. I mean, in a way, you'd think... It's a sort of a sentimental appointment, isn't it, really? They've gone, you know, oh, he's not terribly experienced, but, you know, he lets appoint him and say he gets on. And I seem to remember that Mark Hughes was appointed as Wales manager when he hadn't had much in the way of managerial experience. And if I remember correctly, he did reasonably well. Uh, well, for their expectations at yeah. that time, he did yeah. reasonably well. I do feel sorry for Chris Coleman having gone because they didn't qualify because I thought that he did, he did achieved amazing things mm. with Wales and I think he would have deserved another chance, but I don't know. But um, So in a way, it's a sort of a sentimental appointment. It might work. It might turn out that a lot of players have a huge amount of respect for gigs because remember, of course, the generation of Welsh players coming through now, they would have, you know, they weren't born when he first started playing and he is very much in the sort of legend category for them in the same way as George Best would have been when Ryan Giggs was first mm. coming through so that might have a bearing I don't know but um, he's not in, in fairness to Ryan Giggs he's not the only person who seems to be being appointed and actually his appointment makes more sense than another rumoured appointment we mentioned the excellent Marina Hyde earlier mm. we are as regular as no enormous fans mm. um she um so the women's the, after the debacle the mark sampson debacle the england women's football team that we discussed previously are looking for a new manager mm. and the marina hyde headline Pete to the piece never managed and didn't apply how the fa made phil neville it's number one um she begins what an amusing inevitability to learn that phil neville is the front runner for the job of managing the england women's side um i very much enjoyed my colleague louise taylor's report into the matter which stated it is understood the 40 year old name was initially suggested to the fa in a light-hearted manner by a well-known broadcaster at a drinks reception last month as uh, she says this is my favorite how job applications work story since George Osborne's friends asked the former Chancellor for his advice on their pitches for the evening standard editorship. Sorry, guys, he had a look at your proposals, but in the end, the opportunity was just too good hmm. to pass up. And she goes on to talk about... Hmm. Um, 
the FA um, is apparently almost a done deal. And she said, it's a, she said, I suppose it's one form of positive discrimination. The FA has refused to let Neville be held back by the fact he's never managed a football team or by the fact that he didn't apply for the job. And, um, and it just... The person that is behind this, once again, as it was last time, is our old friend, friend FA Technical Director, Dan Ashworth, who is apparently... Whose credibility is, is so is, low that we can barely see it. Absolutely. As, as, as Marina High points out, three <laughs> months, can it really be less than three months ago that people were describing Ashworth's position as untenable, with Dame Heather Rabatz rightly predicting nothing would change if he stayed in charge, and here we are. Mm. So actually, I think there are even more ridiculous appointments potentially being... <laughs> made at the moment rather than writing gigs and actually and i think this can go back to to you know the the what we've talked slash moaned about the fa at great length previously the english fa is that often it's not necessarily the fault of the managers it's like george osborne being editor of the of the evening standard mm. with no qualifications at all it's not i mean yes they have gall in putting themselves forward for jobs for which they are not qualified and it goes back to that old adage i saw rivette cooper speak at something once and she talks about the difference between men and women mindsets in the employment world and a woman will look at a specification for a job that will have 10 points on the person's specification and go i can only do eight of those i don't think i should do i should apply and a man will look at the same specification and go oh I can do four of those I will definitely apply I think I'll get that job and to some extent yes it is gall on their part for applying for these jobs but the fault lies with the decision makers that give them these jobs surely it's the Welsh Mm. FA and the English FA and their decision making processes these kind of you know jobs for jobs for the golf gang Um, the idea that Phil Neville's name was mentioned at a drinks reception and now he's possibly about to be appointed manager this might date badly by the way if he isn't but but (laughs) I can imagine that Marina Hyde is not someone that ever looks stupid so I can't imagine and it was also based on an original story by her colleague Louise Taylor as she said Mm. so obviously there was some level of journalistic sourcing that went on here so you know I yes the Brian Giggs thing is perhaps you might say odd on paper as he has no experience but I still don't think it's any more odd and actually is a bit less odd than Phil Neville having failed at being a pundit frankly is now presumably going to fail at running the England women's football team as well um, I just want to say in defence of the Nevilles, I follow both Phil Neville and his wife oh, okay, Julie yeah. on Twitter and well, they, are the, they are the nicest people oh, on case, social sorry, media. I, I take that back. I'm sure he's very nice. They're very and nice I, people. His failing as a football pundit was, was mm. just the fact that he was quite dull, really. Um, he seemed to He didn't really seem to have much of a kind of a... I don't know. I, I never really took to him as a pundit. But yes, in enough. which case, they are very nice people. Very but nice I still people. Don't, I still don't think he should be managing the England women's football team. Consi- considering Giggs played under Sir Alex Ferguson, the mm-hmm. most successful manager of the modern era, you'd think he, he, he'd probably pick up plenty of tips and advice along yeah, the way. And he has said that he's going to talk to him about it. That's what he said in the press conference but, anyway. But the game's history is littered with players who tried their hand at management mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it all went mm-hmm. south. And um, you, you mentioned him a moment ago off the top of my head I was thinking this afternoon I thought uh, of Alan Shearer who had a go at managing Newcastle and and they Mm. were relegated and he's never managed again Um, the absolutely brilliant Gianfranco Zola, who was an absolute hero of oh, mine. Oh, lo- lovely, lovely man. Yes, lovely man, oh. a great player at Chelsea, but really struggled badly as a manager at Watford and West Ham. 
And, of course, uh, probably the, the, the most telling example, poor old Paul Gascoigne. Many people forget. Oh, yes, of course. He, he had a very brief stint as manager when he, his playing days were over. He was appointed manager of Kettering Town. and yes, he la- I remember that. Yeah, he lasted 39 days, and only that long because the owner of Kettering said he wanted to give Gazza a fair chance. He actually yes, wanted to sack enough. him after about a week. So, in, interesting time for anyone especially gigs to to take over at Wales a a number of senior players coming to the end of their careers but also some very promising young players emerging including Liverpool's Ben Woodburn who's only 18 and Chelsea's uh, our very own Ethan Ampadu for whom we've got high hopes at Chelsea he's only 17 so Mm. the the door is kind of open for gigs if he can impose himself interesting to see I I Mm. wish him well I hope he does succeed Mm. Yeah, I always love to see the home nation succeed. I'm not one of these English supporters yeah. who, you know, loathe Scotland and Wales. And I love seeing all of the uh, yeah, UK nations and I, the Republic of Ireland. I like seeing them all do well at competitions. Absolutely same. And, and, and you know, the only thing that cheered me up from England going out to Iceland mm. dreadfully a couple of years ago was the Welsh team's run to the semi-finals. Mm. That was amazing. Was. So in Euro 2016. So, yes, I, I wish them well. I think they're great. The confusing and bewildering world of store loyalty cards. Mm. That's next after this sunshiny track from Martin Courtney.
He's the singer and guitarist with the band Real Estate, whose albums have done uh, well both here in the UK mm. and, and in the US. Uh, that's a track from his first solo album, Martin Courtney, and from his album Many Moons, uh, that rather shimmering uh, track was Vestiges. Really nice. I like mm. that. There was a time not too long ago and i have to say how i ache for those days when you would buy, <laughs> you would buy something in a shop or a store hand over some money that would be that off you'd go everybody's happy whether it was the guardian with their five magazines who knows <laughs> yeah, those yeah, days yeah. those days are gone now it's a back and forth discourse that leaves you needing a lie down and possibly counseling when you leave the shop <laughs> what i do think you might be being alarmist again terence you're 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 saying i'm exaggerating a little here uh, possibly <laughs> waitrose the supermarket here in the uk the worst offender you have to overcome a barrage of questions at the checkout. Do you need any bags, they ask, even though you're holding 20 bags for life in your hands. <laughs> Would you like a free tea or coffee, they ask you at Waitrose. No, thank you. Would you like any cash back? No, thanks. Would you like some green tokens for our charity bin over there? Oh, thank you. OK, I'll put them in there. Do you have a My Waitrose card? That's the final nail in, in the soul journey experience. Mm. All supermarkets and indeed coffee shops are now in aggressive competition, of course, for you to sign up for their loyalty cards with promises of coupons for money off uh, stuff. In, in the coffee places, one free drink every time you get some little card stamped ten times. It's all terribly exhausting. This week... Tesco, the supermarket, they got a bashing from customers when they announced a cutback on the value of its reward vouchers, only to backtrack when the feedback on social media became overwhelming. Which way do you go on this, Jules? Are you a canny shopper utilising all your loyalty cards wherever you go? Well, I mean, I I would be, but I'm mm. just too disorganised. Mm. I'm not necessarily as confused and upset by it as you are, I must admit. <laughs> I do have a, a slightly more open mind on this issue. The Tesco thing I'm completely passing by, by the way, mm. so thank you. I've had a bit of a kind of a busy week, and that was the one of those things that just... It was a cyclone that just sort of whizzed past mm. me, and it only lightly lifted my fringe. I didn't really quite know what happened <laughs> there. But, um, but I do have... I have a Waitrose card, mm. which I hardly ever use now because I don't work in the town with a Waitrose in it anymore, I used to be very fond of going and getting my free coffee and using my car, which meant that if I bought a newspaper, I got a discount from my shopping. Yes. I, in fact, we could talk for 10 minutes about how much I miss Waitrose, frankly. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so I, I use that. I, there's a te the problem is, is that I do have loyalty cards for all these places, Terence, but mm. they are often in pl places where I am not and indeed places where are slightly Bermudian in their kind of sort of uh, makeup in that I'm not quite sure where they are. So I have a Nectar card that is somewhere and usually a of people say, do you have a loyalty card? Boots, for example. I go, yes, I do. I don't know where it is, but I do mm, have one. Of course, mm. they validate receipts. I mean, sometimes I, they're the sort of thing which if you are willing to sort of stick with it and if you are willing to put the time and organisation into having them in your purse, eventually they do they do build up and save money. And actually, my mum is a very keen Tesco club card user. The Tesco mm. men appear at their house every Thursday evening in vans and, uh, and they use vouchers and they've actually got some quite big discounts. So I do... Mm. I mean, obviously, ultimately, they're not going to be that good because, actually, why would the supermarkets have them in the first place, I suppose? They're not exactly lost leaders. But having said that, you know, I, I think they do serve a purpose. But 
I can understand why, you know, the they, sometimes they're structured in an odd way. I mean, you'd think a point would make a pound. That would be the easiest mm. way to do it. But there are different places that work it in different ways. Also, I'm not, I am not don't want to distress you any further than you mm. already are distressed about loyalty cards, but how do you feel about saving stamps in machines on the wall then in Tesco's? Are you, are you anti those as well? I, I didn't even know they existed. I don't, what, ah, you said how they're speaking. What they're is this? Of, so so they're not so common now, but they no. used to be. I used to remember them growing up as a kid, no. and actually they were starting to die out when I used to see them in our local supermarket when I was sort of late 80s, early 90s. But And this is a truly working class. You are very educated and, and, and a man about town. Yes. I don't suppose you've ever had to rely on saving stamps, but basically no. they are. I don't know what they, they are. are. You put a pound in a machine and right. it prints a stamp off, and the idea is is that you stick it on a card, yeah. and then when you collect twenty five pounds, you can then spend that on shopping. I think so. The idea. So was, they get their is, money, uh, uh, yeah. and you but, earn but, all the interest it, on it. Well, the, the idea is is that it's sort of it's sort of. I, this sounds awful, and I don't mm. mean it to, but it's it's like a Christmas club in that it's yes, sort of saving yes, aimed at people that aren't good at saving. But it's kind of getting people to save in a slightly different way. So, oh, so okay. I don't know. But then, but then that's another layer of admin, isn't it? So, so I'm not mm. sure if they even still exist. But um, I do. Well, I yeah. I, I support the idea of loyalty schemes, and I wished I had the um, I wished I had the brain power to carry my cards on me, so I could take advantage of them. Frankly, well, they do weigh the wallet down. I have they to do. say. Yeah. But this is this is my I, I, I've got problem with them and. Okay. Since these loyalty cards were first launched, and Tesco's um, well, was the first one that did it. The first one who did it. It first appeared in the mid nineteen nineties. Mm, I remember um, it. They've all become too complicated. You see, if it just involved money off coupons for stuff, no yeah. real problem with that. You spend so much, they send you coupons to get money off stuff. But with Tesco and Sainsbury's Nectar card, you can use the loyalty points for all sorts of yes. discounts, but it's so complex. There's yes. double up rewards, booster programs, and if you dine at this restaurant, it's worth four times the amount on the coupon. It's all yes. too much. And what I what I do, um I leave all the coupons and points hanging in the air until I get an email, which is good of them, I have to say, but I get an email from the relevant supermarket saying, Oh, all your coupons are going to expire in five in days' the next time. 30 seconds. And yes, I, I panic I panic buy three magazine <laughs> subscriptions. So I've end, I'm I'm ending well, up all you needed to do, Terence, is buy a guardian and then you get five <laughs> for free on a Saturday. Just give us money off items in your yes, store. That's, that's all true. I want. It is it is confusing but then having said that i find the best way to build nectar points is to um to to buy them my i buy petrol at sainsbury's mm. and then you can build up the points i had a very i can't remember if we talked about it in the podcast or not but i had a very odd experience just before christmas i went to my local sainsbury's and i had a day off so i often don't go out during the day so i i'm not quite sure how the world works during the normal mm. working day so you never know if you're missing out on anything and it was like i say i can't always all christmas and i went to buy something in sainsbury's during the day on my way somewhere else and everyone that walked past <laughs> me had a huge trolley full of toys and people were carrying toys. There were people with baskets full, people that couldn't see over toys. And I thought, is this what people do during the day? Is this what happens when I'm at work doing my job? And I said to the, to the when I went to the serve yourself checkout, I said to a friendly lady at the one next to me who had a, a small child with her, 
is something going on today involving toys? And she said it's a half price sale on all toys. Uh, and so people were going in to do their Christmas shopping. And then the lady said rather kindly to me, I don't have a Nectar card. Do you? Um, if, if you do, then give it to me and I'll give you my points on my uh, shopping. And I ended up with 130 quid's worth of Nectar points, whatever ooh, the equivalent that is, which was very generous. So well done to that lady who I will probably never see again. Yeah. But, um, but yes, yeah, so, so sometimes they can, if you are doing a big shop, they can prove to be, they can to be useful but yes when it comes to you know i do make points on you can you earn points on ebay apparently if you buy things on ebay and link hmm. your nectar card i also got some in oxfam once as well apparently but like See you said I mean, it's, it's so it's very confusing though it's 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 yeah it is very odd although if someone usually they are trying to say do you have a nectar card even if it's not sainsbury's and then you do you do end up getting some points i think you should embrace nectar terence i think that is the simplest one in that if people ask you if you've got a nectar card just use it and get the points don't 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 structure your dining experiences around it just enjoy the surprises when they turn up (laughs) well I don't think you have a loyalty point scheme for people tuning into your radio shows or attending your gigs. I should do, though. That's a really good idea. It's a good idea, that isn't is, it? It is. It's an excellent idea. Before we find out your appearances for this week, I was just wondering, mm-hmm. how did your gig with the bloke from Cannes oh, yeah, turn Yeah, your man from Cannes, yes, yeah. Damo Suzuki. Um, so I DJed between... But, but there were two support bands, which I thought was a bit excessive, but they were both very nice. Um, one was the one was a chap whose name, unfortunately, I can't remember. Mm. The man's name was Adam, but I can't remember what his performing name was. And the middle band, uh, regulars, as we know, that I used to live in an area of St. Leonard's called Warrior Square, mm. and this band were rather brilliantly called The Warrior Squares, and they are a local <laughs> experimental band. Um, so I DJed uh, before those bands went on, and between them, and then before and after Damo Suzuki. And I have to say, he was an extraordinarily nice man. I, I'm about to get a T-shirt printed that has I hugged Damo Suzuki mm. on it because that's what happened. He, um, I, I was sort of DJing in the kind of sound booth. I ended up becoming a reluctant smoke machine operative. The theme of the evening was basically all of the other people in the booth with me decided they were going to have periods of not doing their jobs, so I did them instead. So no. I had to do the sound during the first... The, the first support chat was about to come on. The sound man, who was very pleasant, said to me, I haven't eaten all day. I'm going to go and get some chips. If you need to be louder, it's the yellow one. And that was my training of how to use a sound desk. So me and the promoter kind of got got our way through that and then the chap that was doing the lighting so there were three of us in this kind of booth the dj me the dj the sound chap and the the lighting guy who's also the son of the one of the managers at the venue the son of the owners and he was doing this this smoke machine and doing all the lighting and doing all the visuals and he said to me oh my kids are real i've got to go upstairs and see my wife so here's the ipad you do that one for the smoke machine if it all drops down and basically my friend's husband said that he saw me using this ipad to run the smoke (laughs) machine for a good 15 minute period so I very much enjoyed my uh, my skill set improving the demos is the, and, and the, he made a point actually afterwards of coming up to the sound that sort of sound area to shake hands and hug us all and thank us very oh, much for it. our work which I thought was a really decent and proper thing to do um, he plays the way that he plays is that he always plays with a different band every time who the promoter handpicks from local musicians so some of the warrior squares then went on to be in Damo's backing mm. band and a, a local electro duo called Native Ray. They were both in the band as well. And they were really good. And and he he is elderly and he is oh, he was talking to some of his artists and he has not been very well for a few years. So he is not in you know, he is he is an he is an aging man, but he 
he, they didn't do any of the well, no, no big can numbers that I recognised anyway. But he, mm. he really, you know, he really performed well. I think he started off sort of a bit tentatively, but as they kind of like can did, as they got into this kind of groove as the gig went on, it was excellent. And I'm really glad to say that I saw him because oh, you know, because when you think about these to these people, this is why we went to see Brian Wilson a couple of years yes, ago. Yes, yes. You know, we're going to run out of opportunity to yeah. see these people eventually, aren't we? And have my regret at having not seen the fall when Mark e. Smith was well enough for the fall mm. to be really, really good. I just think I want to take my opportunity to say, see these people. Yes, I would have liked to have seen Cannes in 1970. But as you know, I was minus 14 years old then. <laughs> I'm just going to take my opportunities where I can find them. What have you got coming up this week? Well, this weekend, um, what am I doing this weekend? Um, it's a week off i think for the saturday social so um it's indie wonderland back next week wednesday that's 8 to 10 p.m on barricaderadio.com indie post-punk etc and i am just uh, i'm just out and about i am in the print works this weekend for a friend's birthday but um so do give give me a wave if you see me but otherwise i'm just uh oh i've got some new record racks coming at home i've got some storage coming so probably i'm going to be alphabetizing my uh my record collection this weekend and making Terence a special mixtape of my favourite instrumentals at the same time. <laughs> I'll look forward to that. Yes, I bet you will. <laughs> thanks very much to you for listening. Yes, and you, especially you. And thanks to our enchanting executive producer, Rona. Uh, by the way, you can find both Juliet and I on Twitter. Some people you have can, been, done yes. that th- this week. It reminded me that we should say this more often so that you know you where you can do, find yeah. us. Um, at SuperJules84 for Juliet. Yeah, and, embarrassingly, yes. And at Sir Terence for me. Yeah, by the more uh, And yes, I do enjoy it when people chat mm. to us on Twitter. That's very nice. Me too. A sad week for the Cranberries and, of course, the family, friends and fans of uh, Dolores O'Riordan. Yes, and I was sorry to see of her death this week. Although even sorrier that embarrassingly I realised, and you know when they we've had a, a culture recently of people going back over people's old tweets and mm. finding embarrassing things. I was, I was critical of her and the Cranberries performance on the one show last year, and I regret it now. Mm. I thought I was funny at the time, but mm. I don't think I was really. Um, but I. I really like the Cranberries and Ojunga. I They had some albums that sold in shed loads. They were almost like the Beautiful South in that everybody seemed to seemed to have a copy of To the Faithful Departed and everyone is doing it so why can't we? And Alex Petridis wrote a really nice tribute to her actually in The Guardian and that is worth reading. It's extremely good. And I love her vocal performances. I love the fact that they had hits about things that were slightly difficult zombie being the huge mm. the huge the, the, uh, that was written about the warrington ira bombing apparently and, and it, it, i read in the paper about somewhere that the father of one of the the boys that died didn't actually know that it had been written about that until this week yes. when when it was then and he you know was obviously thought it was a very sort of touching tribute by her so I, I think her vocal... I mean, again, Alex Trudis talked about Linga and how good her vocal is on that, but I decided to pick this simply because, as I was a 90s and 2000s kid, this always seemed to be used on Match of the Day and mm. uh, Football Focus on kind of goal music or goal of the month or compilations. It was that and Life of Riley by the Lightning Seeds that were the only things that I ever used to hear and as I hear it now I keep expecting to see Trevor Sinclair's bicycle click mm. over the top of it but I think it's a it's a great tune um I could have picked a number of Cranberries tracks but I do really like this so these are these are the Cranberries and this is Dreams <laughs>
You have been listening to a DACA Media Production.